John chapter 1. But uh, the, Lord, the Lord is truly a God who is, there is none like him. You know, you go to a Muslim country, and the Lord allowed me to work in, after Belarus in Central Asia for six years. And in that, what we did there was we translated and uh, um, public, published and recorded uh, in 10 different languages the Bible and New Testament, and we would put them on MP3 players, and we smuggled them into China. You've heard now the Uyghurs, right? You've heard of the Uyghurs that the Chinese government is putting in intern camps and... Um, over a million are in concentration camps, being re-education re camps and such. Well, these Uyghurs are Muslim. They speak Arabic. They don't speak uh, Mandarin. They, they know Mandarin because they live in western China, but um, there's 11 million of them <coughs> and between Kazakhstan and China. And uh, right now, uh, these these uh, people are being persecuted because communism doesn't like any religion, know that. Uh, and um, we, we translated and uh, smuggled into China um, hundreds of MP3 players. I would, uh, it took me an hour um, from my computer to, to um, download just uh, the whole Bible onto one MP3 player. And I did that day and night for months for Uyghurs, uh, uh, Tajiks, uh, Turkmen, um, Farsi, uh, there's different dialects of Farsi, and we sent them into Afghanistan, into Iran, into China, into um, uh, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, um, Tajikistan, and so on. You know, and you'd say, what, what caused that? Well. I couldn't get back into Belarus, and I sought what God wanted me to do. Went to Ukraine for a little bit time, and we published a book. We, we in Belarus, we had a translation ministry, and we translated over 50 different books, textbooks, um, institute materials, and such. And uh, the, I didn't translate a word. Understand? But I had Luba, this lady in Oak Harbor. She was our lead translator. There's a difference between interpreting and translation. Translation is the written word, interpreting is the spoken word. And <clears throat> we translated theological book, What Love Is This? Calvinism was a big problem we had in Belarus, and so uh, Dave Hunt's book, uh, What Love Is This? We translated, big, big work, took two and a half years to do it. And so got to Central Asia because I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So the door, job seen, job assigned, an opportunity came, we took it. And I um, uh, went, did this work in the ministry of the Bible. We started seeing, finding house pastors all around these countries. And so I started uh, paying their way to Kazakhstan, Almaty, and, which was less strict. <coughs> and um, then the other countries. And I would have Bible institutes with them, and we trained over uh, 15 of them. And one, these are all men that generally don't have a church like we have, they have house churches. You know, this is the fallacy of the mega churches. 
The rest of the world can't do this. And like we have in our country, the emerging churches and such. In Uzbekistan, a Christian church can meet three at a time. How many of you would still be in church if you could only meet three at a time? Right? This one man, he was, got saved watching a satellite uh, um, preaching service from, um, I can't think of her name, Joyce Myers. <laughs> and so that's what he heard. Then a Presbyterian Calvinist preacher came, the missionary from Korea, and sprinkled them, baptized them, and uh, he started a church. And the church grew to about 200, and him and two other uh, Uzbeks, uh, these were Karl Kopaki, Stan, and Uzbeks, and they um, uh, grew, and the government got afraid, the mosques got afraid, and they uh, forced the government to split them up, and they split them up into threes. Told them you couldn't meet more than 75 at a time. 75, to make it quick, is 75, they started growing more, and then they got them down to five, and this limited them to 25, then down to five, and they kept growing. More and more Christians were kept getting saved, and they, they, they couldn't stop them. And they broke it down to three, thinking, well, that's about the standard size of a family. And uh, um, so they put it down to three, and basically what this one man did is he has a circuit. Remember, if you have church history or any kind of religious history, American history, there's such a thing as called circuit riding preachers. He rides a circuit to 90 different houses once a month. And I was, we had him coming in, we were preaching on the church, and your pastor gave me his um, book on baptism. And uh, we're like faith, you know, uh, we're, you know, I was teaching on scriptural baptism, Baptist baptism and such. And he stands up and he says, well, I was sprinkled. And you're saying, but and he wasn't, he didn't have the right authority, you know, not the right mold. And he goes, well, I need to be baptized. Dima and I were teaching, Dima was with me in this ministry. And um, we baptized him. And the next year, we had him come every, about every half a year. We did this. And the next year he came and he goes, I just want to give testimony. I just finished baptizing every member of our church, <laughs> scripturally baptizing them. It matters. It works. Do you understand Bible teaching, preaching works Amen. if it's done with conviction and it's done through the authority of the Word of God? Amen? So in John chapter 1, verse 30, we go, I'd like to read from th verse 35. And it says, again, the next day after John stood and the two of his disciples and looked up, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted 
the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus, Lord. We thank you for your love and your, your grace to us, Lord, and we thank you for your word, Lord, that um, just to come to uh, this, this building and to, to once again uh, uh, have a handshake and a hug with Pastor Farinello, it's just, it's just my honor to be uh, that he would ask me to preach. Father, I pray, God, that you would hide me behind your cross, that you'd give me the words that that you would want me to speak, <clears throat> help my voice to stay uh, true. Lord, and I pray, Father, that you would open the hearts of the hearers. Lord, and we thank you now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I want to go back up to John one thirty-eight, and this is really the title of my message is, What Seek Ye? Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to, be, is to say, be an interpreted master, where dwellest them? It's already going. We all get what we seek in the end, don't we? Hmm? You know, it's a question that Jesus asked. <clears throat> and instead of asking the, the disciples what the Bible says, you should ask it, you know, hear him ask you this. What seek ye? What, if Jesus were here saying, what seek ye? What, what in your lifetime have you been seeking? Has it been wealth? Has it been accomplishment, education? Has it been uh, fulfillment? Has it been peace? Has it been love? Has it been acceptance? You know, what seek ye? If Jesus was here, this is the answer or the question to uh, you, and your answer is what you see in your heart. See, the answer is important. It's not something that, we can say, well, you know, I, in church I seek, you know, you know to be preached to, to, to get something out of the message. In, in family, I want to, I want to I, what I seek is I want to provide a home for my family. I want to provide a house for my family. I want, I want to do the best for my children. All right, these are questions that one question can, uh, then can give you the opportunity to seek your own heart to find out what truth lies in your heart. Who are you? Today, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. The young people today have been ingrained with different thoughts that I never would think that uh, would arise in this country. And living the, the time we did in a communist nation, uh, and seeing the education system in the communist nation, and seeing how that they, they educated their people not to be independent, not to be individual, but to be conformity, be, be conformed to the thought of whatever the education system and the government dictated. I never thought that that would be in this country. I thought our country would be a country that, that and why we are who we are as Christians is because of this, is because we were a country of individuals. We had critical thinking ingrained in us that we could uh, think for ourselves, see a problem and, and get out of the problem or come and solve the problem or get to find somebody that could help us to solve the problems. But the younger generations are struggling with these problems. They're struggling with the ability to think about uh, who we are individually. They're, it's a collectivization of thought. 
And you know, when you, you, you ask yourself and say, I've heard this, well, Christ was really a communist. He was really, you know, you know, bring all your wealth together and the church will distribute it accordingly. You know, that, all, that we all uh, be equal in the thoughts in, in how we uh, live. But that's not what Christ taught at all. It's not at all what that is. And it's proven to this one thought. This one question is, what seek ye? The God we seek is the God we find. Amen? You see, you have an image of God. You have a desire of God. You have a, a, a God that some, uh, some of you might think, well, if he, he's like the genie of the lamp. You know, if I rub it enough times by prayer and if I you know, <clears throat> come to him and say a little ditty of a prayer, that God will hear it. And eventually he's going to give me what I want. But that's not the God of the Bible. Amen? That's not, that might be the God that you make in your mind or you're making in your heart, but it's not the God of the Bible. You know, you, you think and you go back down here and he saith, um, in verse uh, 42, he says, And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being an interpretation of stone. Well, I'll tell you what. As a man looking outside of that, that name could be interpreted as a curse. Because what Peter had to go through to live up to that name, do you understand? Was, was beyond what a, any, any one of us would desire or seek from God. But yet he knew Jesus in the flesh. He knew his God by name. He knew his God by, by dwelling with him. He knew his God intimately. It wasn't a God of his making, even though he you know, wanted to defend his God, so he felt, well, you know, God can't defend himself, so I must take the sword and cut the ear off the soldier. And what did Christ say to him? Get thee hence of me. Who? He gave him another name. Satan. You see, we have to think and seek God of the Bible, not a God of our own image. And this is a challenge to you. What, what one word, if you could say one word pleases God, what is that one word? One word pleases God. Faith. Abraham believed God and it was what, counted unto him for righteousness. Amen? You see how simple God is? It's, he's not elaborate or confusing or, or beyond knowing like Allah and don't let anybody ever tell you that the God of the Bible and Allah are the same, just different word, just different names. It, that is the biggest lie. Number one, Allah isn't real. Allah is a God who man developed. Allah is a God that man made so he could worship him. Right? And as long as they keep Allah up, and you can go to any nation. We were in uh, uh, Kauai, and they got these big statues of their gods. 
They, they have them in every store on a shelf, one whole shelf on a store. There was nothing but these carvings of their, their Hawaiian gods. You see? It's the nature of man, of all of us, to make our God in our own image. But we are what? Made in his image. What seek ye? Oftentimes we are seeking the God that fits to our desires, our comforts, our understanding. Boy, when I wrote that, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, boy, I, don't, I haven't experienced much comfort in my life in serving God. But then I got thinking, God triggered, oh, yes, he did. And Brother Farinello, when he came to visit, he was like, man, this is, this is first impression of Belarus for most first-time visitors. Man, this is, a, this is really a oppressive place. And he came into our house, and he sat in our lazy boy. And I love my lazy boy. <laughs> you know why I love my lazy boy? It's comfortable. It's a place of refuge. It's a place where I can get that Baptist nap. <laughs> and God took it away from me. We lost all our belongings in Belarus when they forbid our return. And you see, I got thinking, yeah, God was kind of, that's kind of what my comfort zone is. It's different for all of us. It's different, but it's to be this young man that, that articulated upon the gates of Jerusalem did a really fine job. It's not comfortable up here speaking when you're not used to it. It's not comfortable when you are used to it. It's a, you, you know, I fear this pulpit, any pulpit I stand in, because I never want to say something that is not correct out of the Word of God. I don't want to say something that will lead someone in, a, in a, an error or a wrong or, or change their lives or get them mad and they walk out the door. And it's happened. I, it's not an intent. It's, it's fearful to preach the word of God. So what seek ye? The God we seek is the God we find. This truth becomes our hope of glory or the cause of our destruction. The God we seek is the God we find. If we seek the God of the Bible, then our life changes for the better. If we seek the God of our making, then we find the lack of peace, always turning to and fro. You know, I always wondered, in these big churches, these prosperous churches, these churches that spending, we were in a church once, and they locked the doors. This is a Baptist church. They locked the doors, literally. And it was an evening service. And they needed a chandelier out in the, the vestibule. And he, he says, I'm not letting any one of you out until we raise the $36,000 that it was going to cost to put that chandelier up. And be, you better believe it. Everybody was like, we were there four hours until he opened the door and he got the money. It's, it's comical. But what drives that? What is this chandelier there? I mean, it's $36,000. Do you know when we went to build our home, and you, your church helped to build our uh, church building, all right? Our people first did it. 
They did all they could. Our little group of about 120 people, poor, the, the average wage at that time was $75 a month. And in two years of raising money, and we let the doors open, <laughs> we let them out once in a while, they raised $30,000. But in it wasn't always money. There was a wedding rings, there was jewelry, old jewelry, there was different uh, uh, sentimental objects that they, they kept. They gave everything. What kind of God do you think they, they sought? Who was the God that they came to? Was it the building they were giving it to? No, because the building is easy to give to. Amen? But you all stress when you have a building project, don't you? Huh? It's the number one reason churches split. Because all of a sudden, that building becomes the God. Not the, not the point of the building. You're wonderfully sitting here, but you go to some of the places I've met, and you know, you'd rather sit outside. All right? It's the building doesn't, it's not your God. There's, there's responsibilities to it. And it. I don't know what's going on here, but I know this, is I built a building. I've had that church split. All right? Because it became the object of their faith, the object of their worship, the object that they thought that they were God enough to make the decisions. What seek ye? If we seek the God of our making, then we find the lack of peace. Always turning to and fro. Amen? In, John, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So, if you take that in a secular view, as you are today, that's who God is. Hmm? How many would say, I want to stand up here and give testimony that I am like Christ according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2? Anybody? No. Our God is perfect. The God of the Bible, not only did he uh, make the plan of redemption, he himself became the sacrifice. What God does that? He paid your sin before you knew you were a sinner. He took it upon his holy being, all the sin and unrighteousness that we would do. And then, not only that, he paid that debt that we might not have that debt. Amen? He gave up his righteousness he gave up his holiness. He gave up his throne for a time to dwell amongst us, to be tempted in all ways like us, but without sin. Amen, right? He loved us that thing he hated the most in spite of it, our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I have conditions for my love. Amen? You know, it's, I have conditions for my friends. You know that my life verse is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother's born for adversity. Amen? 
I have been saved 38 years, and I still cannot figure out how to practice that. Because I'm selfish. I'm self-willed. I want to be, I want a friend to love me first before I love him. Do you understand? But our God became, if you will, the first missionary. And he brought the gospel. And he grabbed a few uneducated, unholy, the lowest end of the, the totem pole, men, and made them his disciples. And then he told them, look, Cephas, you're going to be called Cephas. That'd be an interpreted stone. You know why, Peter? You're going to have to have the hardness of a stone to suffer the things that you're going to have to suffer for my namesake. Well, you, preacher, you just got done talking how great our God is, how much he loves us, how much he sacrificed for us. And then he's going to ask us to sacrifice? He's going to ask us to, to give up our comfortable lives? He's going to ask us to possibly, you know, pick up some paper? Or go to the, what is that biblical word? Parbar? Parbar. Parbar. I had the great misfortune of growing up working on a dairy farm. Every day was my parbar. <laughs> Few times I got to not only shovel it, I got to taste it. <laughs> yeah. That's part of life, isn't it? Huh? You have children, you know. <laughs> right? It's not always comfortable to talk how, how cute she is or how, how beautiful that baby is. Yeah, well, you don't see it on the other end. <laughs> I can't wait. We're having a grandbaby. She's going to be born on February 5th, thereabouts. And her name is, going to, is Valerie Rose as of today. It all could change, and that's okay. One of the great joys I had was my wife and I saw a six-month-old, uh, a six-month little dress, and we bought it for her. You know, if you're a grandchild, grandparent here, you know that. You know what I we feel like. <laughs> it's it's just joyful. And and then to think, but God, what if you call her to? Sacrifice like Cephas had to sacrifice. What if you call her and she has to become an Amy Carmichael? What do you, if you call her that her husband gives up his life as a Adonijah Judson? Or her husband ends up burying her because of the sacrifice that they go. What God seek ye? Are you willing? What are you willing not to do for God? See, that will, that will tell you where you are in your faith. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to go door knocking. 
I'm not willing to give a track out. I'm not willing to read my Bible every day. I'm not willing to pray for 10, 15 minutes. You see, then you have an image of God that is not of the God of the Bible. Understand? So you ask yourself, what I'm not willing to do? I'm not willing to give an offering into the plate. I'm not willing to support the, the needs of this church. You see, then you're wondering, okay, what, what, do I, what am I willing to do? Because you, you have made your own God, and you will go to that limit that you, your God will ask you of, or may I say, you will ask of yourself. The question of the, uh, John, 1 John 3, 2, it says, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. A question of this nature, we may profitably ask ourselves, What seek ye? In this place, in the company you frequent, in the conversation you engage in, in the affairs which you are occupied, if, in the works that, which you perform, then this will tell you who your God is. If you seek the humiliation, the illumination, the justification, the edification or the sanctification of your soul, the edification of your neighbor, the good of the church of God, or the glory of God, then you are seeking the God of the Bible because this is his will. Understand? It's, it's costly. It's costly to answer the question, what seek ye? Because if, you, if you're, you don't seek the will of God, then you're seeking your own will. Or worse yet, and I say this worse yet, another man's will. Amen? You, you might be seeking someone else's will to please that person for some service or some acceptance from that person when we should be seeking the acceptance of God only. And if we do that, we're going to do, uh, do the righteousness of God and then we will get the acceptance of that person because he'll see the righteousness of God in you and not your own self-righteousness. You understand? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. I wonder, you know, Lot... When Abraham left Ur, he left unscripturally. He took Lot. He took, he took his father. Amen? When God says to give up all your family and all that you possess and go unto a land which I will show you. He, he, he took a lot with him from Ur. Amen? And he got as far as Haran. And Haran was a vibrant city. It was, it was self-serving. It was satisfying to the flesh. It was, it was a place that, you know, I could make a home here. But it was just a place for Abram to figure things out of who he sought. Was it the God that called him? Or was it the God of comfort? Was it the God of opportunity? Was it the God... Uh, of uh, self-gratification. When his father died, and he, see, he was, he was worshiping his father. He lived for his father. And I'm not saying that's not a wrong thing, but for Abram, it was. 
he, the, he got up and he left. And you know, the promised land was just a couple of days' walk from Haran. It wasn't far at all. It was just right there. And he went to Haran and Lot followed and God prospered him. And Lot was kidnapped by the Assyrians. What's, who is seeking? And Abram said, no, this is, Lot is blood of my blood. And he went after him. He gave up his comfort. He gave up possibly his, the promise. He gave up the, the opportunity and went after his nephew, Lot. And he defeated the Assyrians. He took all their wealth, which made Abram a wealthy man. But what do we see at the, right after that? the high priest Melchizedek. And was it wrong for Abram to keep all that wealth that he gathered? No, it was God's gift. And he gave to Melchizedek that tithe. Because you know why? He knew who Melchizedek was. He was the high priest. He was Christ in the flesh, the theophany of our God. He understood at that moment that he served a living God, a God that cared for him, a God that would hold him responsible for those things that he called him to be and to do. And when he he was asked of God to take his son, his only son, up to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him. What did he do? He took him up. And he, he prophetically said, when Isaac said, Father, here is the altar and here is wood, but there, where is the burnt offering? And he said, God will provide himself a burnt offering. We serve a God that challenges us, that will put a challenge in our faith, that will try us to a, a means of not understanding. But if we hold true and we, we know the God of our Bible, we know the God of our heart, the God that saved us, we will not falter under those challenges. We will see the deliverance of God in our lives and we will have that peace that passes all understanding. If you seek humiliation, if you seek justification, illumination, edification, sanctification, the edification of your neighbor to know who God is and Christ and the Savior that he himself gave his life for, then the good of the church of, of, of Christ, if you seek the glory of God, then you are seeking the God of the Bible. You will be seeking his will. It's not hard to sacrifice because it's not a sacrifice. The sacrifice was Christ putting on his own being, my sin, your sin. The sacrifice was the eternal God in the flesh, allowing his creation to murder him and to bury him and to go to a hell that was rightly our destiny and there defeat death so that he would have power over life and death 
and could give it to whom he so chooses and who asks him and believe that he is the God of the Savior. We need to seek to be like him and less like ourselves or our peers. The problem with the church today is, as I see it, is that we've not seen the Son of God. We've not seen the Son of God, but rather we've shown a distorted picture of the Son of God. The church has presented an image of God, not engraved in stone, but rather engraved in words by the reasoning of man's minds and the influences of the age in which we live in. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 49, as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We have ceased to desire, to desire to put off the earthly image of our flesh and to try to serve God through our understanding. We are offering unto him flawed vessels that cannot be used by a holy God. You know, God, in 1 Corinthians, says God will choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen? He took a dumb farm boy like me and uneducated, un, you know, never had the opportunity to go to college, never had the opportunity to be anything other than I thought was a farmer. Uh, and I wasn't a very good farmer. <laughs> it was bad. But, you know, I remember those words, and I said those words earlier, job seen, job assigned. I came to church and I heard... I got saved and I came to church when I was 20, 21 years old and I heard my first missionary to New Zealand. I was only in church maybe two weeks and I went forward and I asked my pastor, I says, what do I, that's what I wanted to do, then what do I need to do in order to prepare for that? And you know, my pastor and his wisdom, he said, well, you see that chair? He pointed to the front row on this side and he says, you sit there for a year and then you come and see me. And I was like, okay, a year. You know my history a little. I spent a lot of time on the street and on the road after I left the farm. And I knew about traveling and go, I, I had that adventurous spirit, I think. But I sat there. And you know what I did? I sat there and I got busy. I heard the pastor say there needed to be someone to help in the tape ministry to run and make tapes. And I said, I'll, I'll do it first. I'll, I'll do it. And so after church, after those that wanted to, this was, for those of you young enough to not to understand, there was a, used to be such a thing called a cassette tape. <laughs> and, and it wasn't on a digital form or a phone that you'd hear music or preaching or something. It was actually on a magnetic tape that had two wheels. <laughs> and I would tape those things. Little did I realize that that ministry translated into the ministry I had in in, uh, except technologically differently, but in Central Asia, has recording the Bible onto MP3 players and sending them throughout the world. You, you understand? Only God can do that. Only God. And, and then somebody, uh, he, he asked, well, I need someone to, uh, uh, the choir needs someone to help in bass. Well, I have a bass voice, and I don't know anything about music, but I said, I'll do it. And then there was a puppet ministry. They needed a helper in the puppet ministry. I'll do it. And 
within that year, I had five different ministries. Not because I wanted attention. Nobody knew. These were things that, uh, in the puppet ministry, I was behind a wall. It was the puppet that was speaking. <laughs> the tape ministry was in, the, in a closet. <laughs> I was doing a closet. The, the, the bass, everybody ignored me because I sang so bad. And when they got a real bass uh, singer, they asked me to leave. <laughs> but you understand? Service is willingness to follow God because when God looked down and says, who will redeem them? Here am I. Send me. Who shall go for us? Here am I. Send me. Who, who will save them? Here am I. Send me. See, he did the harder tasks than anything that God will ask you. But you see, he understood who his God was. Read uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. You'll see that they spoke together, the Father, the Son. They spoke to one another and called each of them God. We have to cease the desire to put off the earthly image of our flesh and try to serve God through our understanding. We are offering unto him flawed vessels that cannot be used by holy God. We do not desire to put on the heavenly image of Christ so we can change, so this world can be changed. If we would put Christ on, if we would put Christ on and let man see Christ, his wily put Christ on and talking to his imam brother saw a difference because it wasn't about self. You understand? Service in Christ isn't about what you gain or what you can. It's better to, to, to labor in obscurity than labor in sight. That's how hard, it's hard to pastor a church. It's hard. I don't like pastoring. I don't. It's especially Americans. <laughs> I'd say that with love, but I do. It's, you, you, you think about it. What makes us different? Because we're so much caught up in looking at ourselves that we don't look at Christ. So we're the biggest givers in life. It's easy, easy. I've been doing this all my life. I've given hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars away because it's easy to give money. When God said, oh, no, no, you, you could keep giving money. And I wish God would give me more money because I, I, I could give it all away and find a use and a godly use for it all. But when he says give of yourself, put yourself in that plate, you put yourself in that offering. And you say, oh, no, no, you know, I love you, God, but you're not that big of a God for me for that. I got goals. I got dreams. I got aspirations. You're not that big of a God to, to take those away from me. I just, you know, I just look at it and I think, okay, I'll follow you where you lead. That's easier. Although I was on our way here and I never do this. 
on my phone, and we were staying up in Arlington, and I says, okay, how long is it? And I put the directions on my phone and on my rent-a-car, that woman's voice comes up and say, go 2.2 miles down the road, take a right, <laughs> and oh, it drives me nuts. It, I asked my wife, how do you turn this thing off? <laughs> Get this way. I hate being told where to go. <laughs> I've been told many times where to go. I don't mind that way. <laughs> but boy, when the phone comes up and it starts to tell you where to go. And you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievably how many people don't even know how to get from A to B any longer without them directions. You understand? They need, they don't know how to read a map. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to you, you know it. <laughs> and, and young people, you know, what, what road do you live on? I don't know. Is it my address one I live on? <laughs> Seriously, I'm not, being, I'm not being stretching this at all. We have a company that we, uh, we operate, and my employees, all my guys, that every day they're given a job to go to a house. They have no idea how to get back to the shop unless they put their... That's sad. That's a sign of our, our lives. That's who we have become. We can't tell where, we, we are, where we're going because we can't find our way back. You know what that means? You're lost. Amen. My wife and I went uh, driving yesterday. One of the things about Hawaii is, you know, you're stuck. You can pretty much go on every road. And I love driving. I love the, the, the joy of discovery. All right, the new road travel is what I call it. And so we were there a week, and the first day we got to all the paved roads as far as we could go. Well, yesterday we had to check out, and we had a lot of time between our flight and the time we checked out. And so there was this dirt road on the end of the road that we traveled Sunday, and we went on it. And it was bumpy. It was full of potholes, and we couldn't make more than five miles an hour. But we came to the end of it through the trial of it, my wife bouncing around. I had to hold her down because she was bouncing so hard. <laughs> and, and we got to it, and it was the most beautiful beach with the greatest waves crashing over it. You see, sometimes it takes that bumpiness to get to something beautiful. But you have to be willing to take a chance to go where you don't know where it's leading. Amen? God is not our God. We are God's. What seek ye? God is not our God. We are God's. The truth, this, this truth is a truth we need to remind ourselves of each and every day. This is what I struggle with the most. I am my own, not God's. Huh? I make my decisions. I go where I want to go. I don't prayerfully, prayerfully ask God, oh God, you know, make my steps profitable and fruitful to you. I make those decisions. And until I stop making those decisions, I cannot truly say I am God's and he is my God. Because if I could say he is my God, 
then I will do what God commands me to do. I will go where God commands me to go. I will, uh, by faith, follow him wherever and whenever he wants me to go and do what he does. He will be my God at that point in time. I can't say that I've arrived, and I doubt if any of us here could say 100% of the time. But God is not our God. We are God's people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen, for the things which we are, are seen are tempor temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Seek those things which are above and not those things which are below. Amen? Because those things that are above are what? Eternal. How many here profess Jesus Christ as your Savior? And because of your profession of Jesus Christ, he says, that if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be what? Saved. All right. Saved for to what? What does salvation say? What does it give you? Eternal life. Guess what? You already are possess eternal life. Why are we trying and stretching ourselves and killing ourselves to build those things here that are temporal and not to build for our eternity? It's not, it's not good wisdom, right? Any financial planner would say that is, that's just insane. If you want to invest in something, invest in that which will be eternal and not in that which will be temporal. You see, what seek ye? You put the mind of Christ on. He has the mind of what the kingdom of God is. All right? The kingdom of God is eternal. It's forever. It's existence now. And we are its children. We already possess our property in eternity. Amen? We already possess that eternal salvation that is so hopeful and great for us that we can take peace on that. And that peace is that peace that passes all understanding because, be honest, you know why we can't think eternal? Because we only are looking at the flesh. We're only entertaining and feeding the flesh. We are only, we are only stretching ourselves as far as the flesh will take us. But try to understand this is that See, your spirit, which is eternal, which is what Christ saved, which was what was born again, prays unceasingly today for you. Get in tune with that and understand that your God, your God is hearing from you continuously. You see, what seek ye? Seek that peace of God. Seek that hope that God has given you. Seek a true faith that you own and possess eternal life. That everything on this earth is temporal, but our eternity is forever. We say to God, I surrender thus, yet this thus, whether it is our life, our hobbies, our families, our goals, is really what I surrender is our comfort. When Jesus turned to these potential disciples and asked, What seek ye? 
he is asking them more than one question. He is asking them a lifetime questions that all, we all would do well to answer often throughout our lives. Before we were saved, we were seeking our lust, our covetousness, our acceptance, peace, fulfillment, pardon, forgiveness. After saved, he is asking what you will give up for me. Will you follow me to see where I dwell? You know, where do they end up dwelling? In the flesh. In the grave. In the tomb. Will you give up your fish and follow me to see how and who I fish for? Who did Christ fish for? Man, you'll make you fishers of men. Will you follow me to die like me so that you might live like me? That's a great question, isn't it? Will you learn to die to self so you might live to Christ, your God, our God, the God of our salvation, the God of our eternity? By the grace of God, I pray, ask yourself tomorrow morning when you wake up, what seek ye? And see if you are seeking the God of the Bible. And if you're not, take one point. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? He is Savior. He talked to the person that was in front of him. Whether it was a multitude or an individual that touched the hem of his garment, he paid attention to those that are around you. Amen? Around him. Do that. Seek your neighbor's faith, faith and see if they believe in the God of their making or the God of the Bible. Amen. Praise the Lord. Preacher.